0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. My dear friend, James Lehman, is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out James's first appearance in episode 355 of Balanced Body Radio. And I do mean, go back and check that one out. It was such a great episode. James Lehman is a 51-year-old who is born, lives, and works in the beautiful island of Bermuda. James is literally and figuratively here today to share with us his journey from being vegetarian for decades to strict plant-based vegan for five years, and most recently as an animal-based carnivore. As a vegetarian and vegan, James's health declined so much that he had multiple hospitalizations, autoimmune issues, anxiety and depression, amongst many other health problems. He ended up practically bedbound and severely malnourished for over a year. From listening to podcasts, reading books, and discovering the ketogenic and carnivore diets, James has regained his health and through that process found happiness and purpose in sharing his experiences. It is James, James's fundamental belief that we all have a right to be healthy and happy. You can find James on his Instagram page at the underscore carnivorous and his fantastically successful podcast at the aptly named the carnivorous chats. James Lehman, dude, so great to see you! It is such an honor to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio.
1: Casey Ruff, my brother from another mother. What a pleasure it is to be back on Boundless Body Radio. Boundless Body, for those listeners just being introduced to me uh, for the first time today, was so pivotal in my journey into becoming a carnivore and from being vegan. So I I thank Casey the last time. I'm going to thank you profusely again, Casey, for all the hard work you do. But I'm so grateful to you and everything that you put out there, man. It's tremendously helpful and was so helpful to me. And it's an honor to be back.
0: It is incredibly kind of you. Since we last got to talk in that episode, which again, I recommend everybody go back to, we've used clips from that interview and all kinds of different other interviews talking about like the harms of malnourishment from a vegan diet. Your story of all the ones that we've heard is one of the most... Man, like kind of wrenching stories of of like nearly dead, like you were nearly not here with us today um and i I feel pretty confident in saying that we're friends. We got to hang out at ketocon twenty twenty three which is an absolute joy. I'm just curious who was the bigger fanboy you or me,
1: oh man Casey what a what an incredible weekend that was, man i I was reminiscing about it before our chat today, and it just brought back all kinds of memories. It was so great to meet people that I had connected with over the internet in person, like yourself, and to say thank you in person. You walked in and saw me literally after I saw my hero in this space for the first time. And you talk about saving a person's life, and that was Sally Norton. Um If you had been there maybe five minutes before, you would have seen me crying and tearing up as I gave her a hug and just thanked her in person for, as I said, literally saving my life. If I had not come across that YouTube presentation, lost seasonality and the overconsumption of plants, it's still up there on YouTube. Search it. I don't know if I would be here today. And that's honest to goodness truth. Um, It was just... Just a a full circle moment for me to meet my heroes in this space. And you're definitely one of my heroes, man.
0: Uh, You're one of mine, man. I couldn't believe after the story you told me how, how great you looked. When we say that you have recovered your health, man, the the brightness of your skin, the muscle mass you've been able to add on your countenance, your, the the strength of your handshake, your and all of it. Like you have really recovered your health. I would have no idea that you were the same person that I see in the before and after pictures that you post all the time. Again, it's so stark and staggering how, how, you know, where you were and to be able to recover that I think is, is really, and I mean a huge credit to you for going through the process of doing that. I know it's not something you can do overnight, but you've done an amazing job. So congratulations on that. It's very cool.
1: Thank you, man. And you know, Casey, it was interesting because just this week I've made a post, you know, just kind of going against the pervasive plant-based message that is out there. And the recent, I called it a a, um, propaganda mentory, you are what you eat, which was the twin study. And I did my own twin study, which was me versus me. (laughs) And you don't remember the litany of symptoms that you had when you get well until you go back and revisit. And someone asks you, well, what did you recover from? Um, Carnivore angel healing Sally Bowers just made a post with my pictures that I put up as well. And she was asking me, James, what did you heal? And I went down the list and I started to think, I was like, man, I, I had forgotten I even had that because I literally tried to close a lot of that mental door. Um, it, it's so powerful me to, to, to go back. And if you the listeners listened to the first episode, it brought me to tears just reminiscing on my journey this specifically that time where i was trying to go out on my moped and it fell over on top of me it's it's emotional because i didn't have the strength to do anything as you said i was literally bedbound and looking and searching for a way out any way out because uh regular medicine was not providing it for me i was literally a human pincushion having testing done every week and blood drawn and uh i and then covid hit and I ended up losing my job then and had no insurance. So I found podcasts, as you rightly mentioned, and again, Sally Norton's presentation. So yeah, it's... uh it's pretty remarkable. And the power of the carnivore diet is something that should not be underestimated ever.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I I will just say that that ketocon 2023, in particular, I I noticed it, I wonder if you did, did you notice that the, the attention kind of gravitating towards the carnivore movement more than anything else? Again, the vendors, the speakers, the topics, the discussions, it seemed like that was where everybody wanted to learn more. Is that something you also observed? 150%
1: Casey, it was it was clearly obvious. I mean, all the carnivores in the space were there. I'm talking about our mutual friends, Courtney Luna, and Oh, my gosh, everyone carnivore angel healing, who I just mentioned, a whole ton of folks and people were just, you know, there's without being disrespectful, because the ketogenic diet is a hugely beneficial diet for someone, especially if you're coming from the standard American way of eating, but people who were really fiending for more information on the carnivore diet. And we saw that by the representation in the presentations that were for specifically carnivores, Dr. Baker's presentation, the carnivore panel, they were just packed to the gills. You and I sat there and just turned around and looked and we're like, wow, this is, this is something
0: absolutely. I just got done talking with, uh, Danny Conway the other day and she was part of the carnivore panel that was carnivore for women. And I made the point, they had a separate panel end of the conference after a long day of lots of presentations. And it was carnivore for women, a, a very specific topic in a room that was bursting at the seams. I got there 15, 20 minutes early and I had to sit on the floor at the very front of, of the room. I saw Sally Norton sitting down in the middle of the room, like on the carpet, like packed that room, men and women asking about a very specific topic, hormones and women, and like imagining this world where we're getting to this place where we can get into into depth on certain things with carnivores. We're trying to all figure this out. Um, it was really interesting to go back. I took a voice recording of that panel, so it was interesting to go back and listen to that and hear all the different opinions, and I realized we're at an interesting um, kind of crossroads with the carnivore diet where more people know about it, more people are searching the term carnivore than they are searching the term vegan. There, There's a part of the community... I I get a little bit worried about, as as we shift into being more popular, that's going to be a little bit more dogmatic. And so I would really like to talk with you about that today. I want to hit your story first, but first of all, do you have any initial thoughts about that before we deep dive into some other things?
1: So glad you asked this question, Casey, because it's particularly important to me, having come from eating a plant-based and vegan, despite what the vegans will tell you that I clearly was never vegan because now I'm eating meat again. I was vegan. I believed in everything that they had to sell. And as I mentioned before, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I I use that phrase a lot. And looking back on it now, I can see the dogma in that space because I see the repeated parroting of certain things that we now know to be untrue or not beneficial for the proper human diet, as Dr. Barry likes to call it. And unfortunately, I have seen it creeping in the carnivore space a little. You know, you've got to, if you're not getting better, you've got to carnivore harder. And um, I, I, I left that way of eating behind. I mean, I can remember if I was not feeling well on the vegan diet, I went online and someone, you've got a vegan harder. You've got to go raw vegan. You've got to juice harder. You've got to cleanse, detox, do all these things. We are all bio-individualistic. We know that. Our, our, we, we, we have, a, I believe, a proper human diet that should include good nutritious animal foods, low oxalate vegetables and fruits should you choose to include them and in they work for you. Um, and we we can't just say this is the way that you've got to eat and it, it has to hold, ring true for everyone. And I just firmly believe that experiment with yourself like I did with myself as it turns out. For me, the best possible diet I've and I've done every experiment on my uh, on myself uh, includes some dairy, um, a little bit. I tend to go on overboard because I love it too much. uh, A little bit recently, Um, some low oxalate fruits, and that happens to be blueberries. You know that from the last episode. I still keep them in my diet because we now know that if you go too fast, too quickly, and lower those high fruits where I came from, or vegetables, excuse me, that can be quite painful. Um, but yeah, that's a long winded answer to say that we left that way behind. Carnivore should be for everyone. It should be all encompassing. It's as um, our dear friend Scott Maslinsky likes to say, it's it's a rainbow. <laughs> it's a, a, a compass, a spectrum, you know? Yeah,
0: very well said. I love that. We went into quite a bit of depth into your own personal story. The first interview that we did, I believe we talked for at least 45, 50 minutes about everything that you went through. It was just emotional, powerful. Um, again, for the full, full, full story, I'd recommend that somebody go back and listen to that. But it's been a while since you've been on. Can you remind us, again, some of the things you've been through, you highlighted a few of the things in the moped incident, and oh my goodness, but how, how that all started and how you were enticed by a very enticing message, a plant-based movement. How, how did that kind of come about with you in your life?
1: Sure, absolutely. I'll give you the uh, the elevator spiel because we, that we definitely got into it last time. But for me, I had eaten meat growing up. Um, I went away to boarding school in, to Canada when I was young from the island of Bermuda, where I was born and raised. Um, my mom has been vegetarian and continues to be for her whole life. And unfortunately, her health, I believe, is suffering from it right now as she is in her senior years. Yeah, Um you know, looking back on it, um, I, I did eat meat and I went to high school and excelled in sports in my high school level. The change really came about for me when I went to university and I ended up dating a young lady who was vegetarian at the time, um, as one does, especially when you're young and in love, you kind of incorporate the diet. And I noticed that I started asking questions about the vegetarian diet. And even at that stage, and I'm talking early 90s, Casey, that, um, it, it, which was a you know a lot of not a lot of vegetarian and vegan options at that time she was dedicated and um we sort of i sort of adapted it to that way of eating um, I ended up getting a salmonella poisoning from eating bad, bad chicken one time and decided okay i'm gonna give this up completely uh, i came back to bermuda and entered the working world and remained on the vegetarian diet for a few years and then i started experimenting with fish again, pescatarianism for a while. And that kind of went back and forth. I want to make that clear to the listeners that I kept egg, eggs in for a time, left, let them go, um, added fish in uh, for a while, let it go. Um, but for the most part, I was vegetarian for decades. Um, and then by vegetarian, I include pescatarian in that time as as well, dabbling in and out. And my health really, I should have looked back on it started deteriorating during the, those years. I noticed noticed a lot of things creeping in that as I was in my 30s, probably shouldn't have a lot of stiffness. I was gaining weight like crazy, um, getting, going to the doctor quite often. I was getting a lot of brain fog incidences. I thought it was gluten. So I had my gluten tested. It didn't come back conclusive, but I cut out that stuff, which led to me adding in a lot of nut-based products, a lot of nuts, which are gluten-free, unfortunately, which we now know are high in oxalate. And, uh, speed the story up. I I went along, uh, met my uh, partner at the time, and d- she was questioning me, you know, well, you're a vegetarian, you just eat this, you don't really eat. I was like, no, I don't eat any red meat. And we started looking at why. And this was right about the time that all that vegan propaganda came out. You know, I'm talking about the Dominion films, I'm talking about Game Changers, Forks Over Knives, uh, What the Health. And I just came upon these things. And like any person became very, uh, emotionally drawn to what the message was. And and it was, they were very good. You know, that Casey, even from the game changers and the physicality perspective and the exercise perspective, they sunk a lot of money into that. And again, using that term, I fell for it and decided to eliminate animal products then and there. And I remained a strict non-cheating vegan for six years. And in the fifth year about you know the end of the fourth beginning of the fifth year, my health really, really started to decline. I was losing weight, no matter how much I put in my mouth. I noticed um and I'm sharing here freely Boundless body radio listeners, my libido was leaving me um testosterone was dropping because at the time we were trying to get pregnant, but I couldn't um and also skin cracking, <laughs> nails cracking, hair falling out all over my body. Um, chronic fatigue, autoimmune symptoms, uh, thyroid disorder crept in. And it was just unrelenting. And I thought, as I mentioned prior today, is that, wow, I wasn't doing this hard enough, because when I went online and searched, this was the best diet that is out there for your health. And I joined some communities online. And This is what they said. They said, you're not doing this hard enough. What are you eating? Well, I'm eating this and this and that. No, no, you need to go raw. You need to juice these smoothies, fresh vegetables, juiced every day, three times a day. This is what I did. I threw turmeric in a blender. I threw spinach in a blender, nut milks. And Mm -hmm. little did I know I was bombing my digestion to the point where I was bleeding from my bowels. Um, Again, Boundless Body Radio listeners, I apologize, but I'm sharing in the hopes that other people don't have to go through what I did. Um, constantly. They thought I had colitis. I'm almost positive I did now. I also had parasites, bacterial infection that was not curing and a a viral Epstein-Barr chronically replicating in my body. So that was another big cause of my fatigue, but my immune system was shot. So I was laying in bed at my lowest weight, 127 pounds. I lost my job because of my inability to work and because of my health and just literally almost giving up. I was almost giving up at that point, Casey, and was advised to, hey, why don't you listen to some podcasts? (laughs) And here we are. And um, I started searching online for anything, anything, can, could a plant-based diet be harming you? And that's when, as I mentioned before, I came across Sally Norton's presentation and the rest is, as they say, history, because I did a deep dive into everything. Found yourself, found Scott and Carnivore Cast at the time. I know he's changed the name of his podcast now to the Scott and My Show and um, just had my eyes opened literally and figuratively.
0: How, how long did it take you for that message to kind of sink in? There, there's a, it's just so hard. There's so much cognitive dissonance between what you're doing and what you're believing and somebody else having a different message. How long did it take you before you were fairly bought into the idea that a plant based vegan diet is, is not great for health?
1: Casey, at that point, um, I was willing to do whatever because I felt so awful. I I kid you not, when I would wake up and the pain that I had in my body, I was begging and taking rounds of NSAIDs. Um, I should have been on more pain-killing medication from the fibromyalgia that I had, the symptoms. I was just so stiff, so rigid, and I was willing to do anything. And yes, you're absolutely right. There was some dissonance because, as you can imagine, having not eaten any animal products for six plus years, like strict, strict. And I put my hand on my heart and I say, I did not touch any. I did not. I know they're vegans that cheat. They call them Cheegans. I did not. This was something that was very personal to me. And um, it was hard at first, but the will to live was greater. And I just had to add something back in. And from the stories that I was hearing on podcasts and online, that people recovering their health through adding animal-based nutrition back in their diet, it was just too compelling. And I started slowly, and it was painful. It, it was a long process. it, it um, I'm still on the journey today. I am night and day from where I was. I feel like a million bucks now, but I have my days still. Um, but it was that point where I added fish was the most known to me back into my diet, and I know a lot of ex-vegans talk about it, but the brain switching back on, the little energy boost that you feel, it's real. Yeah. And uh, it was game-changing for me, that, all puns <laughs> intended.
0: Puns intended. That um, that story, the first bite story that we get from every vegan, it was on all of the stories that we took for that composite episode, 10 or 12 different stories, all of them universally it's like, it was, it was that moment. It's, it's, I've seen this video circulating around again. Um, it circulated around a few months ago, but it was, it looked like a teenager who's like taking a bite of a steak and she's like inspecting it and sniffing it. And I think she licks it before she puts it in her mouth and she like covers her mouth and almost, I I think she starts crying. Like it's an emotional thing. And that's, it, it sounds exactly like what happened to you.
1: It was exactly like that. Um, Again, being real, uh, I did shed a few tears because it was it was hard because my body was craving it. When I tell you my body was craving fat, Casey, I'm not lying. But I was eating the wrong type of fats. I was going in and eating all this coconut um manna, which is the coconut fat, and just by the jar. And I was wondering, why am I constantly eating all this fat, like by the jar? And it was because my body was craving the fat that I was had been missing for six years by eating literally none. And my body was craving it. So I was putting it in my mouth, but my brain was going, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. And it was this conflict. But then as soon as, as soon as that hit my, my digestion and I absorbed some of that nutrients, the little I could at the time, because we'll get into how there were some other things going on there. And the healing of my gut was so important. Um, It was just unbelievable for sure.
0: One of the people that you and I admire the most in this world, we both hosted on our podcast, Lear Keith does such a great job writing about what those kinds of fat cravings were and like feeling guilty about diving into a bowl of cream cheese or something. You know what I mean? Like when, when she wasn't as strict vegan as she was and you really get to appreciate how, how, how strong those, those hormones are, I guess, in your body that are driving you towards that nutrition. And, and she does such a great job in the book, The Vegetarian Myth, of, of highlighting the, the three kind of buckets that, we, that we, we use to argue for a plant-based diet. The first one being this is good for you nutritionally. The second is this is good for you ethically and spiritually that you're not killing animals. And this is good for you with the, the husbandry of the earth. We're taking care of the earth. We're not over-polluting the earth when we eat plant-based. It's so enticing. All three of those are so enticing. Just knowing that you're eating the best food for health and you're doing the best for the world and you're not harming animals, it's a. Ama- it's the best reason. It's the best reason to do it. And so again, I just think it's so hard to be able to face that despite how strong the push is to get that proper nutrition in.
1: Absolutely it is. And you know, I thought for sure, Casey, you're gonna hit me with one of the questions I hit with you when I interviewed you for my chat was what was your favorite episode that you've done so far? <laughs> and um, you know, you mentioned Lier Keith, and that for me again was a really full circle moment. And two people that had their health so adversely affected by the dietary choice they made was really, really powerful. Of course, for me, number one at the top of my list, I'm gonna tell you anyway, has to be the Sally Norton episode. I bowled like a baby in the beginning. Um And she was one of my first guests, Um, just really powerful. Um, Talking to my heroes in the space like Dr. Chafee and Dr. Bill Schindler, obviously very, very great. But that Lyra Keith episode for me was a big one uh, because and where she's coming back to the show as well, because we didn't get a chance to finish off everything because there's so much to unpack, as you just said, so much.
0: It's a lot. It's really a lot. The, the, the Vegetarian Myth was one of those books that I remember where I was like driving around listening to it. It was that impactful that I I remember where I was learning about some of this stuff and thinking that I had been in health and fitness for over a decade and was recommending the grains and fruits and vegetables and all these things to get this idea that like these things could actively be harmful to people. It was blowing my mind. And she did such a great job writing that book. I've listened to that book probably four or five times at this point. Um, I, I want to continue with your story of recovery, but before we do, I want to go back to something that I think is very interesting. You talked about juicing. What is it about a blender that made everything so much worse?
1: Oh, just the fact that it makes everything so much more bioavailable, Casey. It really does. When you, things like plants have these protective shells and skins on them that that are protecting their seeds, their babies, and uh, These shells and seeds also have their protective oxalates and the protective lectins in them, as we know, and listening to Sally and Monique Attinger, who are experts in in these things. And when you blend up these vegetables and even some fruits with the seeds that are in them, and if they happen to be high ox fruits, like star fruit and even raspberries and blackberries, which I eat a ton of, you are making these... These anti-nutrients, so much more bioavailable and in a liquid form, and that does not even get into the insulin resistance you're causing yourself by the sugar spikes and all the fruits that you're pounding down in a liquid form that just go, boom, right into your bloodstream. These things are going into your gut and then into your body and just, in my case, ripping them to shreds. I mean, I was putting chia seeds in there by the cupful. And they're a high oxalate little, little bugger and, uh, all the nut milks. But yeah, just to answer your question succinctly, it's, it's just way, way more bioavailable. And God, those juices, I, I, I can't even think about them without getting nauseous now what I was doing to myself
0: dude. It's, it's crazy. You see the pictures in the grocery stores of the beautiful colors on magazine covers. It's like eat the rainbow. And it, it, it's crazy how much that shifts in your brain that like, that is toxic. That doesn't look good. It doesn't look appealing where it once did. That was the symbol of health. <laughs> this was funny. This happened a few months ago. It was by accident, but Bethany saw one of her family members like grabbing spinach and like eating it. And she was like, are you going to eat that raw? Like, and it just like came out. It, she wasn't trying to criticize it anybody's diet it's just if you've been away from some of these things for long enough they 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 look it's not that they don't look good anymore it's that they look actively really bad
1: again 100 i i said this on i was very fortunate to have been interviewed by dr sean baker again another hero in in for me in this space met him at Ketocon. but i said and he used the clip where I used to look at the vegetable and fruit aisle as the life sustaining force in the grocery store. Now I, I kind of flipped it on its head and like they cause me so much harm. I'm avoiding them like the plague and go straight to the meat section, which has saved my life literally. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's totally different. I think about the same thing every single morning. As soon as I got a Blend Tech blender, really nice one, I would blend up multiple different colors of beets, multiple different types of beets, handfuls. Of the green stuff, almond milk, and like not only would I be starving within an hour or two, like you mentioned, you're gonna have blood sugar surges and crashes, which means you're you're gonna be hungry. But I remember the the feeling of bloat, but it was also this like self-righteous feeling of like I'm doing the very best thing that I possibly can. And fortunately enough for me, I did it for a short enough period of time that it didn't cause any damage like it caused for you. But yeah, I look back on that as an absolute toxic sludge, gross, like do not put this anywhere near your body.
1: Oh, man, you're so right, Casey. And for those listeners, as I mentioned earlier, that Casey and I are very much of the same mindset in that if you do want to include vegetables in your diet, just make sure, if you can, that they're the lower oxalate and and anti-nutrient varieties. And there's lists out there. Sally Norton has some, Monique Adinger has some. We are not telling that you have to eliminate everything completely, but take it from someone who did the highest oxalate diet possible and listen to some of our episodes that we've done together with people that have ruined themselves by doing this juicing craze. I, I I shudder to think the long-term damage that people are doing to their joints, their mobility, their digestion, when I look at these things. Um, there are some simple hacks that you can do to reduce the oxalate burden, and subbing out for some uh, simple other fruits or vegetables is, is an easy way. An easy way. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, I don't blame anyone for being disgusted like you and I on the, those juices, man. No,
0: totally. And again, we want to build bridges to the people who aren't to that point just yet. And just to say, like, we've come to this conclusion because we've seen so much damage that they cause. You can be mindful around these things and try different workarounds, but there always seems to be some type of a compromise and you have to be willing to accept some of the potential consequences. And if you don't know, it's going to be tough. You're going to eat the wrong things in the wrong quantities prepared incorrectly blended, you know, you know, it, it's it's going to be really tough. You might have to deal with some things along the way. So it's really great advice to go back and, and learn about some of this stuff. The carnivore diet for me um, is the best way to not have any questions. Like I said, a lot of plant foods in my mind have compromises. For me, if I just say, okay, this is my food. Everything else is now not my food. I don't have to mess with anything. I don't have to try to quantify oxalates, no oxalates. I don't get sugar cravings. If I have a little bit of fruit, I start to. So for me, it's just easier to kind of do that. And one of the things I'd noticed that's really helpful for the carnivore diet is I see people that, that come to us as coaches and they want to lose weight. That's really, really common. Less, less kind of, we don't see it nearly as much, but also some people come to us to gain weight. And that was certainly your cause. And the carnivore diet for me is one of the only ways that it like it works on both ends. Like you you just seem to get to this optimal level and you can kind of just hang out there pretty easily for a very long time. So tell us about the experience of continuing to recover your health when it involved you gaining weight.
1: Great question, Casey. I, I particularly love this question because you're absolutely right. When I entered into this space to share my journey and started carnivorous chats and my Instagram profile, It was a little bit of a a nuance because I was a vegan coming to the carnivore way of eating and really telling my story. And also as someone, as you rightly said, trying to gain weight rather than lose. There are so many folks out there that have been eating the sad diet that are like, I just want to lose some weight. And I really wholeheartedly believe, as you said, that the carnivore diet is a weight optimization diet in its essence, because if you are looking to gain weight, it will assist you in that regard. And also if you're looking to lose weight, it will assist you in that regard. For me in particular, and as we just talked about, this is a great segue into what I wanted to also hit on. And again, I encourage the listeners to listen to Casey's and my recent episode with Lear Keith, because as an ex-vegan, she suffered from the same thing that I did. And that was malabsorption and low stomach acid. And I had to experiment on myself. So in the initial stages, just getting the nutrition in me uh, was sufficient to get my health back to where I could start exercising again and we'll get into some of the exercise that I do but I also had to optimize my digestion because I had severe leaky gut as I had mentioned I had been bleeding from my bowels definitely colitis as my doctor had thought i now looking back on it I had it although it wasn't confirmed because I never was able to get the test because of COVID and everything but I still take enzymes and hydrochloric acid as Lier does to this day to help my digestion because for the listeners that don't understand if you do not Eat meat for a uh, prolonged period of time, your stomach stops producing the amount of acid because it doesn't have to break down those things, and your enzymes as well stop because the body goes, Oh, well, I'm not, don't need this anymore. So when you add back in, sometimes there can be as there is a transitionary period, but for us ex-vegans, it can be a little bit longer. I say that all to say is that I am the poster child for experimentation on diets. <laughs> I think the listeners can agree with that now from being pescatarian, vegetarian, strict vegan, carnivore. Um and What I learned was that I needed to, and again, thank you, Dr. Sean Baker, for this. I was asking him in some of my first meetings I had with him because I was part of the Rivero community, as were you, Casey, back in the day. I said, look, I want to gain weight. He said, James, you have to eat like it's your job. (laughs) He's like, because the carnivore diet is so satiating. You may have to adapt a little bit because you're dealing with uh, digestive insufficiencies where I couldn't do the fat which people need to do. You you see, extolling this high-fat diet on the carnivore, Casey, Um, and I just couldn't do it because my digestion was a wreck. So I had to go leaner, but just eat more. And even when I was completely stuffed, I kept going. And so it's counterintuitive for those folks, but especially when you're not having a lot of carbohydrates and stuff like that, I followed my body signals and I still do that to this day. I eat when I'm hungry and I don't eat when I'm not. And, um, I have slowly increased my volume because as I'm exercising and building muscle now, which is crazy for me at age 51, (laughs) crazy. I look better than I did when I was in my 30s and even late 20s, man, it's nuts. And um, I'm just finding that I'm having to eat more. My body's finally putting on weight. And for the listeners, as I mentioned, and you heard, I was 127 pounds at six foot two. My waist size went down to 28 inches. I mean, I looked... Awful to the point where people were stopping me when they saw me publicly and said, Are you okay, man? Like, you look like you're dying. I felt like it. And at the time, I was trying to be nonchalant, saying, Oh, I'm okay, but I really felt terrible, of course. Um, I have gained over 50 pounds now of mostly muscle, which is insane. I'm back up to like 100, almost 185 now, which for me is I'm going for the 190 now. It's a little. Little gains, little gains. And as you heard me mention earlier, this is not an overnight thing. I started adding, adding animal foods back in my diet in late 2020. I was keto for almost a year and low oxalate. I subbed a lot of the low oxalate foods, as I mentioned, for a year. Then two years ago, I'm coming up on my two-year carniversary where I really eliminated most of the stuff um, this coming March. Um, so yeah, very exciting. But it's taken it's taken a while to get there, but man, it's so worth it. So worth it, Casey. Wow.
0: Okay, you mentioned the stomach, and I think that one argument alone is so strong to say that we were not meant to eat plants. And so maybe you can add some nuance to this, but the way I understand it is to most animals have some level of pH in their stomach acid to suit whatever they're trying to digest. Herbivores, that number is much higher and way less acidic. Now, to have a more acidic stomach, it will kill more pathogens, but it's also very difficult for your body to do. The pH that we're talking about is like 1.5 is where it's supposed to be, I believe, which is very highly acidic. And your body has to use lots of calories and energy and really cut and keep the acid in the stomach, which is why things like acid reflux is really, terribly painful for people because that's acid that's very acidic that should that is getting to places where it shouldn't be and so the level for most carnivores with acidity would be like two and a half three for what i understand and we more match up with scavengers and if we think about how we would have been hunting according to the work of dr mickey bendor hunting the biggest animals with the most fat and the most flesh we would have it would have only made sense to eat that animal over a very long period of time part of the animal may have been rotting that's why we adapted the stomachs for it to be able to handle that type of of meat. We should be able to handle meat that's been out for a little while. Is that the way you understand it? Or is there any nuance that you want to add to that?
1: No, that's absolutely 100% correct, Casey. And this, again, excellent question at this juncture, because it ties into exactly what I experienced. If you think about my journey, and you think about me transitioning from vegetarianism for a long, long time, pescatarianism, where my stomach acid probably was lowering even those days because I was not eating any red meat, chicken, turkey, any of those things which require the stomach acid to break it down, you know, as we ancestrally appropriately did have. And then I went to the vegan diet where there was even less requirement for that stomach acid with the plants. That then was a domino effect for my health going down because what it did, as you know, the stomach acidity, excuse me, allows us to protect our rest of our digestive system from pathogens that may be on or in either meat or vegetables so again my health went down I I got bacterial infections I had parasites yes boundless body radio listeners I had parasites as well I did a protocol and literally saw them in the toilet so I'm sharing with everyone they they came out and they it's not pretty um so all these things point to us, as you so correctly say, Casey, that we are uh, designed to eat meat by the our stomach acidity. And you're absolutely right that 1.5. You know, we, we our stomach acidity mimics. I think was wasn't vultures or something or something like that, brought yeah. up as the closest. Yeah, I can't remember. Dr. Chafee talked about it, but 1.5 is about right. But I now have to take because of that um, two betaine HDLs now, and it was much higher at the beginning stages of my journey. I was popping like six pills. But as you do that, the stomach starts to begin producing acid on its own. I'm down to two pills with every meal. And um, my digestion's never been better. Never been better. I'm so thankful for my body and the recovery that it's done and the horrors I put it through.
0: Wow. Well, vegan—I'm sorry, uh, Lier Keith does such a great job talking about things that she was able to fix by reintroducing meat and things that she still has to deal with. So do you have a similar list where, yeah, you were able to solve some of these problems, but— also, there's other things similar to the stomach acid that you you maybe will never get back.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm wondering. I I tried, again, I experimented on myself and, and went off the betaine for a while just to see because my digestion was getting so good. And it carried over for a couple of weeks, but then I started to notice that the loose stools in digestion was creeping back in a little bit. And I added them back in and everything kind of went back to normal. I, am I thankful that um, that it's down to two pills? Absolutely. Do I wish that I could have not have to take them because of this? Absolutely, too. Um, I also take digestive enzymes because one that's uh, specifically high in lipase, which is for fat um, digestion, because with me, as I mentioned, trying to eat more fat now and really put on the muscle and eat, you know, because fat is so essential for us, such an essential nutrient. And I did the lean thing for a while and I wanted to get up to where I'm at now and probably a little bit more as I continue on my journey. I I found that that really helps this high lipase digestive enzyme because again, some of the hallmarks for being vegan for a long time, that creep up on a lot of people, are stomach acid insufficiency and pancreatic insufficiency, which is where a lot of this stuff comes from.
0: Yeah, wow, okay. When I explain the muscle gaining process for people, I kind of explain it in three parts. Where the first part is you have to um, you have to eat the component of you know the diet that is going to assimilate into muscle inside your body. So you need to eat a decent amount of protein. Most people are eating either the wrong kinds or just simply eating way not enough, way too too little of the protein. So that's the one side. The second side, you need to challenge your muscles to a point of some point of fatigue, where they're getting challenged to the point that they you create this signal in your body that says, "Wow, we need to get stronger." We need to build muscle and bone density and connective tissue. And then the third step is now you need to rest. You need to recover. You need to do other lifestyle practices to help your body put yourself in a state where it will do the work to get stronger. So I want to talk about the second step. Next, you talked about protein, animal proteins, getting sufficient amount. Um, actually, let me stop there. Do, do you have a specific amount that you recommend for most people for gaining muscle on carnivore?
1: Wow. Yeah. Again, it can be nuanced, but you know, the, the, things that you hear in this space from people that are much more learned in this area than me, specifically Dr. Chafee and Dr. Baker, like pound or pound and a half per, or, or, or what is it? Excuse me, gram and a gram and a half per pound of body weight. Yep, That's, I think, what's out there. Um, I made a mistake there. I should have flipped it on its head. But yeah, that's, that's um, what you hear in this space. And that's what I kind of adhere to. Now, I, I'm personally getting more protein now than that. And eating more because my mission is, as I said, I want to gain weight. But for those folks that want to maintain or even lose weight, that's a that's a good sort of benchmark to 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 aim for, I believe. And it's been so tremendously beneficial for me. I find my body has just been craving the protein, Casey, especially on the muscle building side as I get more and more into my exercises and, and increasingly um increase my load and the weights that I'm doing. It's been so helpful. Yeah, getting more protein and, and fat in there.
0: Nice. After having a conversation with, um, Zach Kushner, Zach strength on, on Twitter, he's he's really convinced me to, to, to go a little bit deeper into protein. I've added a protein shake and then also creatine and being really, um, regimented about my creatine intake has really helped. Um, okay. So step number two, again, now we have to challenge the muscles in what ways have you been able to do that? Uh, obviously we're thinking like strength training. Um, but, but how, how did that kind of evolve for you in your journey?
1: Yeah, great question. I started off very slowly. As I mentioned, I was in such a fatigued and emaciated state that I literally started off with exercise bands. (laughs) The thinnest ones you could find literally pressing like this and just doing movements while I was in bed. I remember starting and started with two pound dumbbells and just was doing arm curls (laughs) as I sat there, just trying to get any, any movement going because I knew fundamentally i had to get moving because i was so stiff and so sore and so full of pain and i knew that i was giving finally the my body the nutrition that it needed so it also now needed to move and at that point the the, the mind was willing but the flesh was weak uh, all all kudos to that saying and i just started very slowly i started doing some yoga type movements some stretching and just doing these bands exercises the one key thing that I incorporated that I still do to this day was, and uh, for those folks that follow me on Instagram was my weighted walks. And this gets into something where I like to talk about stacking habits, because when we talk about the carnivore diet, once you start feeling the benefits of the diet, you want to biohack any other space that you can. So I started hearing all these carnivores talking about getting out and grounding and then getting to watch the sunrise and the sunset, you know, and and wearing blue light blocking glasses. I did all those things and they have been tremendously beneficial my weighted walk. I like to tell people that I put a twenty-five pound vest on myself, and what that did for me was it sort of tricked my body into thinking that it had extra weight on it that I wanted to gain. I was playing mind games with myself, and, and it, it worked. It literally worked. It was tough, man, because Bermuda's hilly, and I went for five mile walks with this twenty, and it was. The first uh, like dozen times that I did it nearly killed me. I was sweating like a pig, came back and just exhausted. But damn, it felt good, Casey, to get the movement in. It felt good, and I've been going along slowly. I bought myself a little bit home gym, a little bench, dumbbells, uh, push up bars, and that's all I do. I am not. I don't have a gym membership. I just do body weight exercises, some dumbbell exercises, and my weighted walks, and it has been unbelievable for my health, man, as you know, being a trainer.
0: Well, I just, it's so empowering. I hope the listener takes that away from this conversation. And if somebody's watching on YouTube, they saw you raise your arm overhead and you could see the definition in like your shoulders and bite. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. And they might think like, damn, this guy's Jack. Like I could never do that. If I don't have proper equipment, I trained somebody today before this call virtually, on my phone in, in another time zone. And we had exercises that he could do with water bottles. I told him to go grab some like, you know, half gallon water bottles. And there are things that you can do. So I love that, that, that again, if you don't have access to stuff, look, we lived through the pandemic. You can be resourceful and you can start somewhere and that will advance. You can add more equipment later on, have your bands, more weights, whatever. But I think the thing to take away out of that whole thing is you got to start, start somewhere, do something. You weren't doing much, just a light band but you started, right?
1: This is the key that I tell everyone, even when I've coached folks, you have to start somewhere. You literally just start and don't be discouraged. I see a lot of folks getting down on themselves. And believe me, I did too, in the beginning of my journey. Why isn't this happening fast enough? And as I always like to say, and I borrowed this from a a bunch of other people, we didn't get sick overnight. It can take time to heal. And just know that any step forward for you, listeners, is a step in the right direction. You know inherently you're doing the right thing. You're exercising. You're eating the right things now for your body. You are grounding. You are doing all these things that you know. Just give it some time. And I promise you, from the bottom of my heart, the benefits will start to show. I am living and walking proof of that. I'd like to say, I, I literally look back at the picture of myself myself from a few years back, and I am not the same person physically, mentally, none of it. Healed my anxiety, depression, cured all the ailments that I had at the time. It's unbelievable, Casey. It's unbelievable. Like I said, the carnivore diet is not to be underestimated. I
0: totally agree. Totally agree. So powerful. I want to talk to you about something you've mentioned a few times now, grounding. Tell us about the importance of grounding and why that's been a priority for you.
1: I grounding for me really came into it early on because I heard other carnivores in the space talking about it I found Clint Ober and the grounding movie online actually I, I let me give credit where credit is due you know the first person to really own me in on the grounding side Casey was a dear friend of ours Brett Lloyd the thankful carnivore yeah I love that and, hair. and Br- and Brett still grounds to this day. He, he even grounds when he's on his interviews with a, a grounding mat. Um, but he had posted at the time when I started following him and heard him on Scott's and your show about the grounding movie, which is free on YouTube and it's Clint Ober. And I had, I was looking for any ways to reduce my inflammation and I heard grounding could help. And even if it was a bit, you know, you know, hokey or whatever, just getting outside and having that connection with the ions that are in the earth and being in nature has got to be better than even what we're doing right now, which is part of what you sit on computer screens, which we spend so much of our day doing just getting out there, getting some natural sunlight, stacking these habits, um, barefoot on the ground. And it was revolutionary for me. It was a space in the morning where I could just close my eyes as the sun came up and be on the ground and I noticed improvements. Um, again, it wasn't overnight, But if you compound these things with interest, like I like to say, and just stack these habits, you're gonna notice the beneficial changes. And you hear folks all the time talking about it, Casey, grounding's so important. Admittedly, as my life became more hectic, I missed a day or two, but this is another thing I want to talk about is that, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You know, Scott, and you and I talk about this all the time, whether it's if you fall off the wagon on carnivore, if you don't get grounding in in a day, it's okay. You can get right back on the horse and do it again the next day. You won't lose the benefits. If you miss a day or two, even a week sometimes because life gets in the way. Um, just make sure that you continue to do it and uh, you'll definitely see the benefits. Super, super helpful for me on my journey for sure.
0: That's great. Um, okay, so while we're plugging things, I have to say that going to more minimalist footwear in general has been super beneficial for me. Here in winter in the Salt Lake Valley where I am, I'm not in Bermuda, so unfortunately I have to kind of transition over minimalist shoes, which I hate. When it's the summertime and it's nice and I want to walk around, I always use Earth Runners. These are my favorite shoes. They have a grounding kind of, part on the bottom that I think really helps if I'm not going to be barefoot earth runner sandals are my absolute favorite thing to do. Recently, I I saw an advertisement for this. It kept popping up. It was a grounding sheet that basically sits on your bed and you plug it into the grounding hole thing, which I didn't really, i know nothing about electronics, but the, but, um, electricity, I pl- I plugged it in the grounding you know, thing and you just sit on it. And it says like, it's not a good idea to have this plugged in and be sitting on it and then have like a laptop that's charged next to you. It's, 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 you'll tingle or whatever with the electrical charge that is going through you. So don't do that. But, um, I've used it for sleep and I've only used it for a few weeks and I am, I was a little bit, um, I don't know. I, (sighs) I kind of doubted whether it would work or do anything or not. And I have to say in the last two weeks, I've spent pretty much every night on it besides a trip that I took to Vegas. And I can say that my sleep has been much deeper and my dreams are like crazy vivid. Unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And the two nights that I was in Vegas, I did not have that. I don't know. It's very interesting to me. I'm just starting to play with this a little bit more, but I am noticing a difference in my sleep. Is that something you've heard quite a bit about? 100%
1: again, Casey. Um, For those listeners, and I'll plug another podcast recently where Clint Ober, and that's exactly what Clint was. He was an electrician, Casey. So he was an electrician prior to and figured out through grounding. And you're absolutely right. I'll tie into my own story with what you just said. When you have an oxalate toxic brain, you've heard Sally Norton talk about her own experience where she was waking up something crazy like 32 times every couple of minutes like it's and I was the same way I could not sleep literally could not sleep and it's because the cortisol spikes and oxalates in your your cells and just constantly waking up through the pain I couldn't find anything anywhere comfortable so one of the first things I did was actually buy a grounding sheet as you just did and I plugged it in you're absolutely right it goes into the grounding socket next to your bed and there's no charge it's not powering up but it is grounded through that socket and you just lay it on your bed And I can't tell you how beneficial it was for me for someone who hadn't slept in a year. I literally started to get my first deeper sleeps in over a year when I had that on there. Um, I don't have it anymore. I need to get a new one, admittedly. Um, But again, I'm grounding outside as much as I can possibly. Um, My sleep is... improved immeasurably. Um, if for those who are watching on video, I have it right beside me. Here's my uh, blue light blocking glasses I can put on. stylish. But I use these I, 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 knew, I use these at nighttime, Casey, as soon as the sun goes down and I've come from outside watching the sunset, I put these on. If I'm watching TV or just reading, just ease on the eyes. And again, I notice these helping tremendously when I, when I forget to take them away with me or I don't use them. Huge benefit. Huge benefit. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for that. It's something that I'm starting to learn a little bit more about. So I appreciate your insight as far as that goes. Wanted to make sure we circle back to this after getting all of these wonderful practical tips. The community, uh, the, this lovely carnivore community, how, in your opinion, should we be expressing ourselves, sharing our opinions, sharing knowledge with people without being dogmatic?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. I just think. In any space, you have to be honest, and you have to be true to yourself, Casey. And I mean, you come across in spades with all of that and the above. I try to do my best and and share everything that I can. Um, it's it's difficult, you know. I've found in this space that, and you and I know there are people that are in it for the wrong reasons. Um, I try to be in this space like you to share hope and healing and allow others to share their own healing stories. And I think we just need to embrace the differences in one another. Um, We can find common ground for sure. And, you know, all of us carnivores have experienced some benefit from adding meat back into our diets. I don't care who you are. You've seen some benefit or you you wouldn't continue along this diet as you're doing now. As some of us, it's way more than others. Others, it's just, you know, they've got some more mental clarity, they got more energy, they feel better, not to discount those at all. But I just think we just need to find common ground and be respectful. And I think for the most part that we do, um, as I mentioned, unfortunately, I see from time to time dogma creeping in the carnivore space. It's, It's few and far between compared to where I was prior to this in that area. Oh my goodness, you and I talk about the And you said the chirping on Twitter from the, the vegans. Oh, my goodness. It is uh, incessant. And uh, it can be pretty darn nasty. And we just have to really appreciate where people are in the stages of their own journey and and talk to them where they're coming from then. And uh, I think we'll go a long way for sure.
0: I hope so. I mean, I was just thinking the one thing that is lacking in the carnivore I hate to call it dogma, but the people that are very strongly opinionated with with carnivore diets is the nastiness. I don't ever see a lot of the nastiness. I, I do tend to think that since people's brains seem to be much, much, much better regulated on carnivore, I don't see personal attacks. I don't see again, that kind of nastiness where you know what it's like on Twitter. Like people just call you stupid and tell you that you're, you're killing animals. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. They don't, there's never any like substance. And at least with, you know, the carnivore scene, I see a little bit more of that in in your, in in the process of doing your podcast. Now that you've done so many of them, I believe what you're up to 50 episodes that you've released. It's amazing. Have you come across anybody that you've been able to interview that has had differences of opinion as far as nutrition goes?
1: Not really so far. The main differences I've had are with those folks that are certainly they, without exception, every single one of my guests has either added meat back in, been ex-vegan, or have lowered their oxalate vegetable intake. So I've had some omnivores and I had omnivores in there. You know, one specific person comes to mind is Jane Buxton who wrote the great plant based con. She's admittedly an omnivore and still enjoys her, her vegetables and more power to her. Um, and God bless her for ha- what she has done in that amazing book that she, she wrote. Um, but I do plan to try and interview some other people with different, differing views, because I think that's how we can grow stronger. Ironically, before we got online today, I was listening to Dr. Chafee just interview Nick Norowitz and his Oreo experiment that he did for cholesterol. And he was talking about the same thing. What's incredible, Casey, and by the time this episode comes out, I think his what he referred to will have come out. And he was talking with Dr. Chafee is that he got himself in a room with Walter Willett right. and another vegan to, to discuss <laughs> cholesterol. And I'm like, damn, this guy, I mean, you got to have some sort of confidence to go there and do that interview. And clearly Nick has that in spades, you know, with his degrees that he has. But um, it just spoke to me because I I realized that I do want to engage other people that may have differing opinions and meet them halfway. And he said, that's exactly what he's trying to do. Just say, look, I want to talk to you about cholesterol. I'm not downplaying, I happen to be ketogenic, but I'm not downplaying the vegan diet because, you know, they're not, Inseparable if they can't they can be. Um, and he just wants to find common ground. Mm.
0: That's it. Yeah. I wrestle with this all the time. So I, I'm gonna ask you personally how you would handle this. And and like I said, I <laughs> I struggle with this. I had a really tough time with this. I've done two interviews recently with two people that have reversed very serious disease using ketogenic diets, but they were using plant-based ketogenic diets. So the the one guy that I interviewed was diagnosed stage four terminal cancer, went plant-based, does all the things that you were talking about as far as like the blending and the raw and all this stuff. I hear a little bit of contradiction in kind of the things that he's saying and he knows he needs to eat more animal protein to be able to build muscle and whatever, but he reversed his cancer in remission on a plant-based diet. And I'm interviewing him and I'm like, okay, is this... Is this the message I want to put out there? Am I going to lose everybody that, that is following us because they are attracted to a carnivore diet? Another woman, amazing woman, and she did the same thing with bipolar in remission on a ketogenic plant-based diet, and she'll have eggs, and that's keeping her, you know, pretty good as far as the, the animal fats and the proteins. Would, would you have a tough time, like, releasing those episodes? I struggle with it. It's tough.
1: I could imagine it would be, um, and I, by the way, I listened to those episodes that you did, and I'm super proud of you for doing it, man. It was, uh, you know, they were inspiring. And fundamentally, you and I, again, over the same ilk, Casey, if you have healed anything and come from sickness to wellness, who am I to tell you? I'm just happy that you're alive and you're thriving. If you are thriving on a plant-based diet, go you and, and just do the, do, live life However, as I tell people, if your diet is not serving you, and you were like me and going, "What the heck is going on?" Do some research, experiment on yourself. What is the harm you can do to yourself if if you're already near death's door? You know, let's let's be real here. It it, it can be challenging, but I think people need to understand. Again, this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, Casey, that we are bio individual. I think people. Genetically, some of us can handle a little bit more of an oxalate load than others. Um, uh, Maybe it's because of where their ancestry comes from. Who knows? I don't know. The research is still out. There's a lot of research to be done. However, one thing's for sure humans were not meant to eat tons of those anti nutrients. That is for damn sure. We can see by the evidence of kidney stones and kidney disease from those folks that were blending up and eating buckets full of sorrel and nearly killed themselves. This is science now we're talking about. And, um, yeah, uh, I hope to be able to have those conversations again, just to to sum the point up, if you've healed anything and are feeling better, I'm, I'm proud of you because you at least took a chance on something and did something. Like you said, just take a step forward, right? Casey. Yeah.
0: I love that. And when I think about like how we can keep this space non-dogmatic and welcoming for everybody, um, I think about you, I think about the way you handle the information that you put out there and the way you're presenting your message and you're sharing everything, you're sharing your story and you are an example of somebody who has completely healed themselves. You're not telling everybody that they have to do this. People can do it lots of different ways but you're just presenting it as the example and an outstretched hand if somebody needs a help. And that's the way I think of you so grateful that I was able to meet you and hang out with you and verify in person that you are just as wonderful of a human being in person as you are um, online. I, I just absolutely love you and your work and everything that you do. And it's just such an honor to have you back on the show. Where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work?
1: Casey Ruff, the feeling is mutual, my friend. You are such an inspiration to so many and just keep doing what you're doing. I do not know, I get people asking me all the time and let me just end on this and I'll get to where people can find me in a second but it's an important point is that The amount of work that you do now doing this podcast myself and realizing how much work each episode takes is unbelievable, man. You are a Trojan in the trenches getting information out there, and we so appreciate you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. As I mentioned, I may not post it every time now because I don't have a chance, but I listen to every single episode that you put out, and it's helping so many. So thank you for that. Casey, one of the reasons that I chose the name Carnivorous, as I mentioned last time, I made a mistake in who the actor was. I said Ethan Hawke. Uh, but it's actually Christian Bale in The Machinist and I chose that for a reason and the reason is because I am learning in this way of eating I am not an expert so the carnivorous is a play on a dentist who studies in the way of dentistry or a psychiatrist who studies in the way of the brain I was a carnivorous and I am a carnivorous because I'm studying in this way and as I learn I like to share as do you And I'm so glad it, it hit me one day before I started this whole thing to do that. So, folks, that's where you can find me, at the underscore carnivorous on Twitter, on YouTube and on Instagram. And I'm also on Spotify, too, at the same handle for the audio and Apple podcast. But it's it's an absolute honor, Casey, to be here with you every time we connect. I'm so thankful for having met you for what you do I'm looking forward to the next meetup in person, man. And by meetup, I mean sharing a steak together. Absolutely. That sounds great. M-E-A-T.
0: Man, well, it was an honor to host you. And thank you again so very much for coming on again and sharing your story and your wonderful wisdom and practicality. We're very grateful for you. And thank you for taking the time today, James.
1: Honor is all mine, my friend. Until the next time.
0: Until the next time. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Thank you so very much for continuing to listen to Boundless Body Radio. As 2023 has come to a close and we're starting another new year in 2024, I always try to reflect on not only the direction that we want to go in the future, but also how much we have grown in this last year. Our podcast has now generated well over 400,000 downloads from all over the world, and it's all thanks to fantastic listeners like yourself. I hope you are as excited for the new year as we are around here. The lineup of guests that we have coming up is absolutely staggering, and we're always striving to bring you the best content from the most amazing people in health, nutrition, and wellness. Remember that you can always head on over to our website to book a complimentary 30-minute session with us at myboundlessbody.com. On our homepage, there is a book now button where you can select a time to speak with us about your health and fitness plan, especially for the new year. We've absolutely loved chatting with so many of you out there to bounce ideas off each other and try to come up with plans to help you achieve specific goals. And seriously, I really do mean this. Even if it's just to say hello and introduce yourself, we absolutely love connecting with our listeners in the community. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well if you want to watch these full interviews and also shorter interviews on more specific topics that are taken from these interviews. We've gotten really great feedback over there, and it's also a really fun way to interact with people who comment. We read and reply to every single YouTube comment we get, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and leave as many comments as you like to keep the conversation going. And of course, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to make sure that the podcast gets out to more listeners. Your five-star ratings and reviews are the best way to support us here at Boundless Body and to support the podcast at Boundless Body Radio really only takes a moment and it's very meaningful to us. Cheers to 2024 and thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.